Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. One hundred four to one hundred seven nationwide. S A F M. The time eleven minutes after ten. This uh, time of the show is not suitable for listeners under the age of eighteen. Hey, here I am saying after ten. So I do want to be with you for much longer, clearly. But it's eleven minutes after eleven, and um, yeah, anyone under the age of eighteen should not be tuned in. Like I say. Close the door and open the closet. It's time for us to get juicy, sassy and sexy. And uh, yeah, let's try not be too random about the things we do. After all, we are adults, right? The fact that we are all over 18 right now. I'd like to welcome Mrs. Mandisa Dukashe. She is married, uh, but her marriage is a different and unique and beautiful marriage because it's a discordant marriage, meaning that one partner is HIV positive, the other one is HIV negative, and she's also a clinician and the founder of HIV Survivors and Partners Network. Mandisa, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Oh, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me and good evening, listeners. It's the second time that you and I are speaking, but the last time we spoke, you had your husband by your side. And I must say, it was a beautiful show for me because I could just tell the love and all the A-teamers were just ooing and aahing about the love between the two of you. That's so genuine. That goes, it supersedes challenges, physical barriers and other things. So uh, how's the hubby? Oh, he's okay. He's doing very well. At least he's resting tonight. Mm. He's L- asleep already. Lucky yeah. guy. He should be up supporting <laughs> you and listening. <laughs> ah, no, you're tired. You're oh. tired. He had a very hectic day today. Oh, sounds like a genuine wife. So, Mandisa, today we are talking about uh, HIV and sex. But before we go there, I'd like you to please, for the benefit of our our team, A-teamers, who don't know what a discordant marriage is, please explain to us what that means. And also maybe explain what what is the context of your marriage when it comes to this issue. Okay. Thank you. Um, when you're talking discordant marriage, it's a mixed status marriage or relationship when one partner is HIV negative and another partner is HIV positive. As in my case, um, I'm HIV positive, diagnosed in 2002, and I met my husband in 2003. He is negative. He has been negative since. Yeah, that's, that's what it means. So you have been together with your partner for many years now, but also in that, the beautiful thing is that you've got children who are HIV negative, and uh, that that uh, can be, um, you know, one of the credits that we give our medical health uh, facilities and also medical health research. Definitely, especially the, when you're talking HIV programs, the treatment programs in the country, and the treatment is free, readily available in the health facilities. And in private sector, treatment that is taken by the HIV-positive partner to make sure that the virus is suppressed is undetectable, and meaning it cannot be transmittable by the positive partner to the negative partner. And it means the positive one um, can give birth to HIV-negative beautiful babies. 
Sure, Mandisa, medical research has gone a long way. So, in other words, if a, one partner is HIV positive and the other is HIV negative, and the one who's HIV positive takes the correct treatment, takes it correctly, they can have unprotected sex with their partner without yes. transferring HIV to them. Yes, that's true. That's what happens to us. We started to um, have unprotected sex in 2014 when we wanted to conceive our second daughter. And ever since, the, you know, we, had, we came across research that has proven that HIV-positive people with suppressed viral load on correct treatment, taking their treatment correctly, they cannot transmit virus. So with that information, actually, we decided not to use protection so we have been doing that since 2014, and my husband is still negative to date. Mm, beautiful. That's Mandisa, I'd like to welcome all our A-teamers to join in on our conversation via SMS on 41391. Perhaps you are HIV positive and you are struggling with some of the issues around your status, or you are in a relationship that's discordant, and you've got some questions to ask. Mandisa is a clinician, and she's also the founder of HIV Survivors and Partners Network. So ask your question. Send the SMSs to 41391, or call on 0891-104207. Alternatively, dial 011-714-4045. Our WhatsApp number, unfortunately, is still down, so we can't take your WhatsApps at this point. Mandis, I think one of the things that a HIV-positive person, whether male or female, faces is that first point when you find out that you are HIV-positive and you are in a relationship with a person that potentially gave you the HIV or exposed you to HIV? How do you deal with those emotions? Um, yeah, it's, it's very, very painful, very difficult. Um, one, especially if um, you are with a person that you are suspecting to have infected you with HIV. You know, um, I've seen a number of people that will definitely decide to actually, you know, a dump or, or, you know, leave their partners with, because of anger and, and, and all those kind of reactions, you know, finger, finger pointing that you brought HIV and all that. And also, I think what I've noticed, which is a very big challenge, um, you know, I had a friend of mine and a number of people anyway that I know um, is they get into a relationship and without testing, um, you know, they start to use protection. And then along the way, they get used to each other and then they decide not to use protection. They've never tested. They decided decide not to use protection. And one would they just go and test and find out that they're HIV positive. So that's where the finger pointing comes in now to say, you brought HIV to me. You brought, you cheated while you were with me. And especially when probably the other one will test negative and the other one will be positive. So the couple that I'm talking about, it, it, um, when I, ha- I had to do counseling to them, and then I tested the husband. They were together for 10 years. And the wife tested positive in marriage after 10 years, only to find out that the wife actually was infected way before she got involved with the husband. But the issue is that she never tested. So those are the things that people need to be mindful of. And we always advise people to go and test before they decide not to use protection or maybe if they haven't used protection already 
then couple counseling is advantageous and we always promote couple counseling so that they can be prepared, both of, both of them for the news, whether they will be both positive or maybe the other one will be positive or the other one will be negative. But uh, at the end of the day, we want peace in the relationship. Mm, mm. But I want to take you back to the example that you've just given us. You say that this couple has been married for 10 years. The wife mm-hmm. came in HIV positive from the research mm-hmm. that you did. The husband is still HIV negative, the, despite mm-hmm. the fact that they've been having unprotected sex for 10 years. How possible is that? Especially if the wife yeah, did not know that she was HIV positive it, and was not on treatment. Mm-hmm. It is possible. Two things. Because in their case, it can be you because you, because you meaning when the positive one is on treatment and is suppressed, virus is suppressed because of treatment, it means they cannot transmit the virus. So in their case, that was not you because you, because with the 10 years that I'm counting, I'm talking about the wife was not aware of the HIV status. Mm. The wife was not on treatment. It means the virus was detectable all along. And yeah. they had the eight year old daughter in the marriage. It means they were not using protection. And was so the, there are two. Sorry, sorry. Minister, is the daughter HIV negative or positive? Unfortunately, we did not follow up. Okay. We okay. didn't follow up. It was a more of a very confidential, you know, very issue, yes. tricky situation. Mm-hmm. And we waited for them to tell us they haven't said anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so let's go um, back to the couple. Yes. And um, what we think, there are two possibilities in their situation. One, it may happen. That you know, there, there is this rare and um, group of people that will never have HIV in their lifetime. The CD4 receptor, when HIV gets into anybody's system, it targets CD4 cells, and then outside the CD4 cells, there there are there are structures that are called CD4 receptors, and HIV cannot infect and and and, and dwell in in my system if my CD4 receptors are not compatible to the HIV virus. And Mandisa, hold that thought. Let's come back to that explanation after this. This is SAFM Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Late Night Conversations. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Late night conversations on SAFM 104 to 107. Remember, we are talking closet conversations, so not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. We are talking to Mrs. Mandisa Dugashe, who is in a marriage that is discordant, meaning one partner is HIV negative, being her husband, and she, being the wife, is HIV positive. They've got children who are HIV negative, and she's sharing her story, but also helping those of us who don't have enough information around HIV. HIV and sex and how to go over certain hurdles if you find out that you're HIV positive or the partner that you have is HIV positive. Manisa is a clinician as well and also the founder of HIV Survivors and Partners Network. I'd love you A-teamers to join in on the conversation via social media platforms at SAFM Radio at Patricia N. Nduli, hashtag SAFM LNC or you can SMS us on 41391. SMSs are charged at 1 rand 50. If you want to call in, it's on 0891-104-207 or 011-714-4045. Mandisa made a statement. Do you, A-teamers, have unprotected sex with a partner that you've never 
tested with. Call in and be anonymous or send that SMS. Be anonymous. Let, let's see how many people actually go for HIV tests before they have unprotected sex with their partner, despite the, the length of time that you have known your partner for. Uh, I want to hear from you. Mandisa, before the break, you were telling us about a couple that has been married for 10 years plus. They've got an eight-year-old child. The wife came into the marriage unknowingly with HIV and they have been in this relationship having sex without protection. And uh, later on, they find out that the wife is HIV positive, but the husband ha is still HIV negative despite 10 years of unprotected sex. And you were explaining to us um, what happens in the human body and that there are some people who are exempt from contracting HIV. Oh, yes. So I was like saying with scientifically, it has been proven that there's this group of people that will never because they are CD4 receptors, that is the CD4 um, the cells that the HIV virus uses to attach in its human body. When the receptors are not compatible to HIV, those people will never have HIV. So it could be the first possibility. And the second possibility is, um, you know, HIV, for it to get into somebody, it needs an entry point. There must be a cut for the virus to get into. There must be an exit point. That is, it has to exit from the wife, and it has to have an entry point to the husband. So if there was no cut to the male um, partner or so or whatever, so chances of him getting the virus are very slim and you know unfortunately with us as women because of our genetic genetic makeup um it's very rare for us to 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 to, to escape the virus sometimes even if we don't have a cut but because the semen or the sperm you know they'll stay with us for a longer time so chances of us getting hiv are very high but mm. then in the male versus then chances with, without a cut are very slim. So those are two possibilities of how the male remains HIV negative for 10 years. So on Twitter, we've asked a question to say, would you date or marry someone who's HIV positive? And this is what uh, our A-team is saying about what we are talking about right now, right? Would they? So Brajay says, yes, I don't see any problem. If we use protection, uh, protective measures, love is greater than pain, suffering and discrimination. To have a baby, both couples may go for sperm uh, plantations. And then uh, Rita Makwane says, no, if I am the one positive, I would not as well. So there's there's people saying no, they wouldn't. Others saying they they would because love conquers all. But let, let's talk about uh, oh, Nazim here. Nazim Khrudbom says yes. If I love her, I wouldn't bother about her status. So there's people so far saying yes, I'd still marry or date someone who's HIV positive, and others are saying no, I wouldn't. And if they were the ones who were positive, they wouldn't expose someone else. So there's an issue around stigma here still with HIV. Mm -hmm. um, how do we work around the stigma? Yeah, and uh, we appreciate, especially people that will be upfront. And uh, we had a webinar with teenagers, um, I think, a few days ago. It is a positive teenagers, where we spoke about this issue of, you know, people that will, after disclosing their status, they will say, no, 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 I will love you despite your status, but you see the relationship like is no longer the way it was now. 
and the, the person is slowly distancing themselves to, to, to away from you. So um, I appreciate the one of, of you, the commenters, commentators who say, no, they won't. How I wish that like, people who feel like, you know, they cannot stand dating someone with HIV can just say it immediately. I, I want to agree with you. That's the issue of stigma. And what I like also about this person, she or she or he says, even if it's him or her who is HIV positive, she or she cannot date or, or, or risk a life of the other person. So in that case, I think there's a lack of information. That person needs to be taught, needs to learn more, or teach himself more about HIV in order to understand that there's nothing wrong. Someone with HIV is like anybody else. You know, especially with treatment and it's cause you. There's a lot of data, there's a lot of information out there that is proving that each of the forces in the people are not risk factors. You know, you know what happens is actually someone will dump the HIV positive one who disclosed the status and run to someone whom they don't even know their status. Mm. And only to find out that person they're running to is actually HIV positive. But then this one who who dumped this one and to to the other one when they talk about the one the ex ex um you know partner to the the one who say okay let me rather keep quiet mm. meaning she or he's going to dump me as well and I won't use protection. So sometimes they think that they're better off away from this person only to find out they're exposing themselves. So it's better to stick to the one who disclosed the status and make sure that you're supporting that person towards the virological support so that you can live a happy life. As I'm saying, we have been married. Our sexual life is like, you know, a normal sexual life like anybody else. Let's go to the part where you now have met this new partner and uh, obviously you start off to get to know each other. You're talking about, um, you know, the things you like and dislike. And now it, when when is the point where the one who's HIV positive needs to be upfront and tell the one who's HIV, who either does not know their own status or is confirmed HIV negative that they are HIV positive? What is the right point to tell them this? Mm. Um, no, there's no... You know, there's no black and white, mm. honestly. So there's you can no... keep quiet and not tell that partner. Exactly. But the trick is, if you decide to be quiet, like in my marriage, for instance, I got dumped two times before I met my husband. And when I met him, I was at that point of saying, I'm tired of being rejected. Wait, you can, what did you get dumped for? For disclosing? Disclosing. Oh. I disclosed, he promised to stick by me. Two two weeks, three weeks down the line, I could see that the relationship is no longer the way it was before I disclosed my status. And then, you know, a few months down the line, I met another partner. Same thing happened, he promised. And then two, three weeks down the line, I could see that he's no longer the same person after disclosing. So that's the general and the common, um, you know, thing that we faced as people living with HIV. So... As I'm saying, when I met my husband now, you know, I, I just took it to myself that if I've been dumped, you know, twice, I've been rejected twice, it's painful. Let me rather, you know, not disclose immediately. And I disclosed to my husband three months after we met. But what is very critical and very important, if a person with HIV decides not to disclose, is to make sure that you use protection. Because legally, it means you don't use protection, you know your status, then that person can take legal actions against you. 
Because that person can actually find out that you are HIV positive and you expose him or her deliberately knowing that you are HIV positive. So, so legally, you're, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're not forced to disclose. That's number one, very critical. You are not forced to disclose your status. Mm-hmm. But then again, you are forced to protect the other person. So, so I want to ask you, Mandisa, because you are mm-hmm. open about your uh, your your journey being HIV mm-hmm. positive. In this three months with your partner, were you having sex with him? Yes. Okay. And uh, was it protected or unprotected? Protected, right? Protected. Yeah. And yeah. and and when you told him. How did you tell him? And what was his reaction? Because obviously the one who's HIV negative is probably going to start thinking, maybe was the condom perforated? Did it ever burst? Your mind's going to start playing tricks on you. How did you tell him? I'm, yeah, luckily in my case, and then I get you exactly, most people would then think um, like the same. But in my case, what happened is, I thought for the two months he didn't know, only to find out when I decided to disclose later and i wrote a letter and left it under his pillow and he saw the letter because i couldn't face him um when i called him wanted to find out how is he feeling he said he wants to come and see me face to face and then when we finally met on the following day after leaving the letter he said he knew from day one the day one we met the day one the first day he proposed to me Actually, someone saw us walking together and called him and told him about my status. So for the two months, I thought, I'm, I'm not disclosing, but I'll use protection. He knew all along, but he was waiting for me to disclose. Hmm. And uh, yeah. so he, he just, he already knew he was educated about it and that made it easy for you. I don't think a lot of people have the same experience. A-teamers, remember you can call in and give us your experience anonymously on 891 or on 11 I'm looking at tweets here and I see African Renaissance saying, are we still asking such in 2020? Given the abundance of information we have, that question locked in the early uh noughties so i think he wants to say 90s i i, I think it's still relevant i don't know mandisa you are a clinician you have a, a foundation for hiv survivors and their partners is it still mm-hmm. relevant for us to talk about hiv is it still relevant for us to ask questions if people would date or uh, marry people with hiv oh yes it's still relevant and it's going to be relevant for for, for some time up until we get the information out to people, we empower people, we educate people. Because, like, as one of the, com- the people that commented, like, initially said that she or he cannot date people. So there's still those people with that mindset, backward mindset, that needs to be educated, empowered, and get, you know, real-life stories. Because we, we want, now what we're doing, we put in face, HIV survivors and partners networks, it's an organization that is putting face, putting put real life stories to say, look at us, it's doable. So we want peers, we want people that are living the stories to say, look at us. Because it's not only few people that are still, you know, doubting if they will date. You know, we're seeing a lot of people rejected and damned because of lack of information, lack of testimonies to say this is doable. We have a lot of children that are raised, um, you know, in unstable um, homes, you know, divorce 
comes in as soon as HIV status is disclosed, as soon as, you know, one finds out that, in other words, point, finger pointing, um, you know, we talk of gender-based violence. People are, uh, you know, are beaten. There are a lot of things as soon as HIV comes into families or into relationships. And, you know, so there's a lot of information that still needs to be shared. It is relevant. It is relevant and we will continue talking about such things because the fact that one has information does not mean that everyone has information. Let's share our thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, um, A-teamers. This is uh, Closet Conversations on Late Night Conversations with me, Patricia Ntuli. Our guest is Mandisa Dukashe. Let's welcome A-teamer Ngonde. Ngonde, good evening once again. Good evening. Yes, Ngonde. Two questions. One, is a friend of mine is been going out to one for ten years. I'll try and summarize. Apparently she cheated and he was upset. You know, especially when she told him that uh, the condom based or whatever. And when he wanted to dump it about ten years ago, I told him don't double standard. Don't do that because you also cheating. Anyway, to cut out in short, he got sick and tired of ten years and they broke the affair. Broke the affair because she was positive. Second one, there are three pills. I, I, I still wonder if that's used. The clinician will tell me. Um, Entracetabine, 10 of 4, efference. Now, Patricia is a cost-benefit analysis. Those pills are all good. In other words, they suppress the viral load, okay? Lower it down, whatever, and until you can have untreatable, untransmittable, blah, blah, blah. But, seeing that they are scheduled six drugs or whatever, the side effects are such that one, you can be hallucinating, okay? And forget things that are important to you. Now, if those symptoms, or some of them, were applicable to Pandesta, how has the partner managed to cope? Because truth be told, Patricia, it can be a challenge to put it mightly. Good evening. I want you to stay on the line for me so that Mandisa can answer your questions and perhaps there might be some things she wants to ask you. Mandisa, Ngonde uh, has posed uh, questions to you here, maybe, and it's on a personal level. Okay. Um, I only heard about the medication. The side Yes. yes, of the medication on you yes. and your husband. Okay. Um, you know, what is as I said, I'm 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 uploading the program of the country, the treatment um that we're currently using in the country. I understand when we started to rolling out treatment years ago there were lots of side effects. And I don't I don't deny, especially with the three drugs that he mentioned, that one of them does cause some um, some neurological side effects. But then they are very rare. They are very mild side effects. And there's also now another treatment that is replacing the one that he's talking about now. is TLD. It's very mild, very minimal. I think only 1% or 5% out of 100 people are experiencing side effects coming to myself now. Unfortunately, I never experienced on this, I think for the first few months, first month, when I started my treatment, that I felt a little bit dizzy due to one of the drugs that he mentioned. It's just as mild dizziness, other than that, it was nothing. And up until today, I never felt 
any side effects. So the forgetfulness that he's talking about, it's, it's not a mental illness that you forget. Forget. It's not a. It's just a mild kind of. It's not something that you will forget major issues and 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 no. As a clinician, I'm not talking like let me step out of myself as a, as, a, as a client. Like as a clinician, I've never had a client that actually reported that severe forgetfulness. No. All right, Monde, uh, are you satisfied with the responses from Mandis? Uh, but you must understand that each drug, especially should you have schedule six, they've got to disclose the side effects that do not necessarily mean you will have them. Mm. But the side effects were prevalent in the clinical trials. Anyway, why do I know about this, Patricia? I lost my aunt last year, and all those signs were there. Patricia, good evening. Thank you very much, Ngonde. Um, You know, before we go to the next A-teamer, I want to come to you here, Mandisa. You made mention of this new drug that's being uh, currently used in South Africa um, for HIV treatment. Some of the research around this particular new drug has shown that some women who take the drug, yes, the suppression of the viral load is good, uh, and also around the CD4 count uh, boosting it. But when they fall pregnant there are high likelihoods that uh, they could have churned with some sort of uh, birth defects. Is this true? Yes. As a result, TLD, um, you know, women are advised. If they plan to fall pregnant, they must inform the clinician so that, one, maybe they may not be switched to TLD until they fall pregnant and then they give that, then they'll be switched to TLD. Or maybe if they plan to fall pregnant while on TLD, they can be switched back to the, 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 the TDF and then back to TLD again. It's just mild, you know, congenital defect. Just to be, it's a precaution. Just make sure, we just want to make sure. It's just a precaution. Mm. Okay. It gets by research. Yes. So you can switch the medication um, yes. depending on yes. when you want to conceive. Let me go to the yes. lines here. Uh, Atima, Tobega from Durban. Good evening, Tobega. How are you? Hi, evening. Good evening, Patricia. And evening to your guest. Um, I've got a question for your guest, and it's not to do, it's actually got to do with um, HIV itself. Um, I had an experience where my I had my younger sister, she's now late, and she, I think she started becoming ill, I think she was around 15, 16, and she hadn't been sexually active or anything, so the, uh, she's been to, she had been to a lot of hospitals, and the doctors just never knew what was wrong with her. Um, one thing they did know was, like, was that she had hydro... Um, which is raised into cranial pressure when you have water in the spine. That's one thing they were sure of. But there were instances where doctors just didn't know what to do with her. And then it was said, then they started telling us that, no, she's got AIDS. And I said to them, okay, how, how possible? Because she hasn't been active and there's no one in the household who is. We changed hospitals and we got her tested again and she was negative. So, um, I just, everywhere, like we changed all the hospitals in Durban. Um, when we take her there, maybe she does take medication. She'll have to take, I think, second line, I don't know how the lines go. 
And when we get to another hospital with her and we bring her meds with us, when they test her themselves, they're like, it's highly impossible that she's positive. They test her and she'd be negative. Um, she just basically became a guinea pig. So I just want to know, with you being a clinician, um, how, how, how do doctors make mistakes like that? Because she, I think she had illnesses that they were not aware of, maybe rare illnesses, and you saw doctors ended up like using a, like a, a, a guinea pig, and she was told to do tests called genotypes because her genes are different. And I've also like, not not exactly how she's been, but you know, you get doctors even with myself, they will do tests because they said, okay, my sisters and I, and I said, they got the same parents, so they did blood tests even for both my parents and stuff to check what is it. Like, I every now and again, you get us test for this, test for that. Like, as early as yesterday, you get doctors trying to put you as part of a research because they don't, uh, like, my sister lived, like, I mean, she died early, but she ne- never had AIDS, but she was told she had. So now, how do I then trust? Because I'm very scared, like, I get scared of doctors now. Because she was told she had and she didn't, so we just she just died in confusion. So now, what would you say for that? For a person like myself who's been through, who's had a family member go through that? Mm. Like, how do we trust the medical system and the whole HIV thing? Mm. Like, really? Tobega, stay on the line. I, I want Mandisa to, to have a conversation with you, because obviously her response needs to allay some of your fears, because you are now pointing it back to yourself to say, you, also go, you are now skeptical, and you don't know how this happens. Mandisa, this is very, oh. very worrying. Wow. One person worrying. at the age of 15 mm. can be told you are HIV. In fact, they don't even say HIV positive. They say you've got AIDS. And then oh. the next medical um, clinic says, no, 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 you're negative. And then the next one, you've got AIDS. Please explain to us. Oh, How does this wait, happen? Said, oh, I thought she said the first hospital and the rest of other hospitals said she's negative. But she said that some then also said that uh, she was positive at some point. Oh, my goodness. Mm. So yeah, how does that happen? Really, <laughs> no, no, no. I would have if if, I, if 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 only one hospital that said just positive and the rest said negative, I would say then the, the, the you know the error because laboratory errors do happen. Probably there was some um, you know um, mixture with blood from the laboratory or contamination of blood from the laboratory where the first hospital tested her. That's what I would say. And also at least um, the blood the, the results. HIV test that is done through drawing the blood, it's more reliable. I'm not saying the finger prick blood is not, but sometimes when the finger prick is done by an expired test kit or it's done by a test kit that has been exposed to sunlight or maybe the person who did the test, the skill, is not experienced enough or maybe the the, 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 the duration of the test kit, maybe the, the results were read before the time you know those errors do happen when it's the finger prick test but the blood test is more accurate but then again in instances where maybe the error now is at the laboratory site maybe there's mix of blood or maybe there's contamination during blood testing that could be the case but um getting back to this is you know um sometimes especially with other things you know especially with your sister you said she had a hydrocephalus and other conditions, you know, probably they wanted to find out exactly what's wrong with her. And the fact that she, she, she passed away 
that, you know, at the age of 15 and may have so rest in peace. Um, you know, the fact that she passed away at the age of 15, probably there were a lot of other things. Maybe doctors wanted to find out and get to the bottom of exactly what is wrong with your sister. You know, that's all I can say. Mm. All right. Tobega, are you satisfied and do you understand the response? Yeah, but I don't actually because um, she never did the finger prick. It was black test. Mm. And um, we, what we did ask for is we demanded the test, like the initial one that said she was positive and we were never given. Sure. Mm. But we, the consequent um, tests that she had were all negative and we got those. But yes. you know, as I was saying, probably the error was with the very first, yeah, the error was with the very first hospital. And the fact that now that you're saying they never gave you results, probably even the, the results that were read, that they were given to her, maybe they were not her results. You know, you know there, were, there are a lot of errors that, because those things are ran by people, those results are captured by people, you know, that kind of thing. And it was a human rights violation for them not to show you guys the results because you had a right to actually see the copy of the results, to see her name, to see her date of birth, to see her ID number written in those results. Mm. You had a right to that. No, we, we, we have, like, since she's passed on, um, they have, like, retraced her medical things. Um, they've seen, like, the type of meds that she was given, and it wasn't justified. So it actually is even currently a case, just that we don't follow up on it. It's a current case right now because the doctor even left now, is actually out of the country. Um, mm. The one who had said that she must go on these meds. This is a Luvia, yes. Mm. And he since left the country and we don't know what's up, but she yeah, she ended up passing. I yeah. think it's more the hydrocephalus that uh, is a problem or something. But mm. yeah, it's just, that's why I'm scared. Of, I'm scared. No. It's one of those cases, my dear, don't be scared. It's one in hundred cases where those things happen. Yeah, to live Sometimes in fear, I think, yeah. you know, uh, Mandisa, for Tobega's sake, I think to live in fear is, is understandable under this uh, circumstances, but fear is not going to help. The more you research and find out Tobega uh, around the case, I think it's going to make it easier. And if you've got questions, I mean, you're going to take Mandisa's number. Mandisa deals with uh, such issues and you could possibly get some counseling and guidance to allay those fears okay yes. Tobega thank you okay. so very much for joining us and is your story has just uh, been very sad but uh, um, hopefully the research that they are doing will come to the bottom of all that happened with your sister okay thank you Thank you very much. Uh, let me go to our SMSs here. Remember, our SMS line is a four one three nine one, and SMSs are charged at one rand fifty. So, um, here we are. Uh, we have uh, someone saying hi, sis Patricia. Thank you for having Usis Mandisa back on the show because last week I couldn't get her details so that I could have a private conversation with her. So it seems that people need a private conversation. At the end of the show, you will get uh, Mandisa's contact details and she'll be able to assist you since she runs um, the HIV Survivors and Partners Network. Someone else says, good evening. What can happen if we are both HIV positive, but w- only one is on treatment? Okay. Um, you know, um, you know that's, it's a bit dangerous because the one who is HIV positive probably may cause 
a resistance to the HIV positive one that is on treatment. You're taking your treatment, you are suppressed. But, you know, what happens <clears throat> when someone is on treatment, is not on treatment, or probably is on treatment, but defaulting treatment, the virus um, is, is mutating and you get resistance then your virus will not be responding to the first-line treatment. So the person who is defaulting now, who has a resistant virus, is sleeping with the one that is taking treatment that is virologically suppressed, and the virus that is resistant is actually transmitted to the one that is compliant. So chances are now the resistant virus will be actually transmitted to the one who is taking treatment properly, then that treatment may not work. So it's a bit dangerous now. That's why it's important for both uh, partners to take treatment and be adherent. Mm, okay. And then the next question here says, uh, sure. hey, uh, Patricia, lovely show as always. I would marry an HIV per- positive person. I did date a positive lady before. We were open with each other. It's all in the mind and love conquers all. That's from Ndendek in KZN. And then this is from Tulu. Tulu says, Good evening, ladies. It's hard for me to disclose to any potential partner because of fear of rejection. I've told two guys before and they left me. People are not willing to educate themselves about the virus. Even if you tell them your status, it's disheartening to be rejected. Oh, Tulu, sorry. It's, it sounds so sad. Um, so how does Tulu deal with, with her feelings of rejection? Because you can't force other people to accept your status. So you need to know how to deal with your feelings of rejection so that you don't wallow in, in pain and you are also still open because someone else might not reject you for your status. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the the painful part is <laughs> as women, we are emotional beings. We love. If we love, we love. That's the, 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 uh, the painful thing. And if I were to say to her, she must be there's also anyway. That's what I always advise people: that if you are about to disclose your status, be ready, and um, you know you must have that room that the person may accept you and the person may reject you. So you must be ready for any reaction, and you must be ready to accept the person's reaction. If she or he is not willing to date you with your HIV, unfortunately, it's hard luck, and you must be ready to move on. But the pain will always be there. You know, I was speaking to the other lady yesterday. And we spoke for almost an hour. She has been, she's in a relationship for eight years, and she never disclosed the status with fear of rejection. And the, the, the male now is talking marriage, and she falls under pressure because she doesn't want to get into marriage with this, with, with this, um, with the, you know, the hiding the status. So it's understandable, but then, um, I, I think it's very, very important, like, to, in preparation, to disclose, you must, you know, make sure that you accept your status as a person and be willing to go through the rejection and be able to accept that um, a person has a choice to choose. They have a choice to choose either date you with your status and they have a choice to never date someone with HIV. It's their choice, unfortunately, and we cannot force them to. So I always say to people that are not ready to for rejection and they don't have a room for rejection, rather, because I've got a friend of mine, she discloses immediately and she says that helps her 
because before you form any kind of emotional connection with this person, while you're still learning this person and you haven't, um, you know, you're not deep in love with the person, rather disclose so that the person can actually leave you immediately so that, you you know, there is no even room for healing because you, you, you haven't, loved, you know, haven't fallen in love with this person. If they decide to leave you immediately, it's okay. They can leave. For, um, yeah. So for me, I Mandisa, you know, from what you're describing about your friend, it sounds like your friend is a very uh, self-aware person and she's a mm-hmm. person who's able to love themselves. So self-love, yeah. it starts there, right? So you can't expect someone else to accept your status when you haven't dealt through yeah. the emotions and accepted yourself with your status. And that's mm-hmm. how it, it, it comes across. Now, Mandis. We haven't spoken about the sex part, right? We've spoken about all the other things around uh, HIV and, uh, and 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 having a partner. Hey, how mm-hmm. is the sex life? Can you have sex like everyone else? Uh, yes, you've spoken about the treatment and so on, but like in terms of positions and styles, oral sex, are oh, people with HIV word. positive doing it like everyone else? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, you're laughing like you're a woman who's doing it. <laughs> A true practitioner. I wish Dr. Funda Babalokaposa was here today. <laughs> a true practitioner. Uh, oh, yes. You know, I'm in everything, everything, everything. I'm a normal woman. I do anything and everything that a normal woman do, possessions and otherwise. Like, I go wild. So, I go wild. So, so, like, in terms of, like, things like oral sex, uh, okay, you giving it and you receiving it uh, as an HIV-positive person, what are the risks there? Or you can just, as long as you're in your treatment, enjoy it, baby. Mm-hmm. Yes, enjoy it. <laughs> enjoy it. You know, I think the, the benefit of a treatment outweighs everything because it suppresses the virus. The virus is not there. It has, it's hidden. It, it, it's away. It's it, it's not, you know, affecting any of, you know, your, your actions. You know, we give, we take, we do whatever. Mm. Mm. Yes. <laughs> you give and you take and you do whatever. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> no, you know, whatever doesn't mean anything. I mean, there are people on this show, all right, especially at this time, we speak anal sex, we speak oral sex. Can you do all of those things for the benefit you of know, those I, who are into that? Um. Yeah, we, we, can do, we can do anything. We can do anything, you know. The, the, the treatment, the, yeah, okay, if I can put it, the physiological part of it, in your semen, in your genitals, in, in, in your, you know, because the studies that we've done, we've done with, even with gay people, even with, um, you know, gay, gay people, normal, uh, you know, heterosexual, homosexual, it was different, um, you know, um, relationships that the studies were done. So it has been proven that zero transmission rate. So whether you do anal, whether you do oral, whether you do normal, vaginal penetration, any type of sex. Whether homosexual or bisexual or heterosexual sex, as long as you're in treatment, enjoy yourself, baby. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, Mandisa, I'm getting worried. Girl, I wish we had another hour to sit together because it looks like you've got some juicy details to tell us. But before we, we, we bid each other farewell, I've got a very sad um, SMS here. says, good evening. Um, my case... Oh, I I was all in it for the love. I'm 22 years old and my ex is 36 years old. He dumped me after being with me for five months. 
we had unprotected sex as from the fourth month and he was my first love and my last. Oh. I feel rejected and scarred to love again. Um, he got the results, but he's okay now. And that is not the end of the world. Life goes on. And thanks to Sister Mandisa. Um, Sure, this is sad. And then someone else says, Hi, I'm three years in a relationship. My partner is positive and I'm negative. I give him full support and it's because I love him and he wants to kill himself. Sure, mm-hmm. this is sad. This is sad. This is sad. So there's yeah. two, two, two scenarios here that people are being dumped because of their status. Others are being loved for with their HIV status, but because of feeling... Unworthy, yeah. they want to commit yeah. suicide. So, Mandisa, yeah. people need help. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's very sad. It's very sad. Um, they feel less of human. Uh, they feel inferior to the partner, despite the love of the. And it's a, it's a burden to the negative one now because he, he or she at times will feel like, I'm here for you. Why do you still feel this way? It, it's kind of. Um, straining the negative partner, and I think the the positive one needs counseling. You know, she she or you really needs to speak to someone. Um, you know, a real life story, a testimony to say, yeah, I am. You know, you, you can do it. Mm. So we need counseling. People need counseling. Yeah. We need education. It's 2020, but it seems like we still need education on HIV um, for families, friends, and for partners, because you never know when your status will come out positive and what you need to do to support a family member who might come out positive. And we all need to be very sensitive to each other. Mandisa, we really appreciate you. I wish I had more time. I wanted to get more juicy details about the sex life, but time is up now. Maybe next week we'll get into that if you are available. Uh, How do people get in touch with you? I mean, at HIV Survivors and Partners Network, can you help anyone around the country with counseling and other advice? Oh yes, um, they can. He can. He or she can send an inbox to our Facebook page, HIV Survivors and Partners Network, or send me an email to Mendy at HIV Survivors HIV SPN dot org or a WhatsApp zero eight one eight nine eight nine eight seven eight. Excellent. Thank you so very much, Mandisa. So next week, are you coming on to talk about sex? Oh, yeah, I can do that. Hey, please don't be coy. Don't say everything and everything next week. eh? So next week, Tuesday, I don't want everything and everything. I want to know what goes on and how can people protect themselves? Yeah, I think it's very important for us to understand the protection when it comes to HIV uh, people, HIV positive people and uh, partners that are discordant. Okay. Okay, cool. Excellent. Okay. Thank you so very much. Have a blessed evening or Thanks. morning. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mandisa. Hey, team. Whew, yeah, we've spoken and uh, it's. Uh, I've been educated at least. And I think for all those who are going through tough times, um, do get help. Get someone to speak to you about um, your status or your partner's status and uh, get counseling. I think it's very important. And for those who are HIV positive, don't lose hope. People love people for who they are. But if you are feeling like you need help, get that much needed help. The time now is uh, five minutes after midnight. It's time for us to bid you farewell. But we are back at 10 until midnight. Until then, may goodness and grace lead you all to the great heights of success.